listening to Downworlder Dish, a Shadowhunter Chronicles podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 113, where we will be discussing chapter three in Clockwork Princess, The Last Hour. Hmm. I wonder what that means. <laughs> Interesting. I'm Kristen. I'm Robin. And Amanda is taking a bye week this week. She had a prior family commitment this weekend um, and uh, wasn't able to record. So it's just me and Robin today. And that doesn't mean there's going to be spoilers. We're going to do the normal jam. You just won't hear her soothing voice. Yeah, sorry. I probably should have covered that part. That's okay. And I laughed because you were talking about foreshadowing. And my brain said foreskin. Because <laughs> you're a 13-year-old like, boy. That's not right. Dude, speaking of 13-year-old boy, um, Seth Rogen's book, Yearbook, um, there's an audio version of it. It is so good. Jason and I, well, Jason, me, Jason, and Bryn listen to it. <laughs> On our road trip, on our vacation, Bryn was in and out. She was listening to her own stuff, but she she magically found, you know, the absolute worst times to key in, which was delightful. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> but it was really funny. It's just like kind of a collection of stories from his life, and you know, essays about the things that he's learned and stuff. And you know, obviously, he's very funny, and so it was very funny and. My husband and I have this, you know, ongoing joke, and he he refers to my misspent youth as uh, me being, um, what does he call me? Um, not a misfit, uh, a menace. He calls me a menace. Like, anytime I tell him a story of, like, when I was, you know, a teenager or whatever, he's like, you fucking menace. <laughs> like, seriously? <laughs> and so, you know... Seth's telling stories about like when he was like, you know, 13 and trying to score weed and like all this, you know, stuff. And I'm, I'm cackling and laughing. And my husband was like such a good kid until he went to college. And then he was like an obnoxious frat boy. And, um, so I always like tease him. I'm like, yeah, but I got it out of the way when I was actually a teenager, when it was like socially acceptable for me to fuck up my life. (laughs) And then by the time I was 18, like, I had, like, a good career and shit. Like, I had my shit together. Right. You got out of your system. Yeah. I mean, like, I was still a mess in my 20s. But it it was emotional versus actual. My life was put together. Right. That's fair. (laughs) I just imagine him, like, that old guy on Dennis the Menace. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and it's always so funny because... There's such a drastic juxtaposition between my teen years and my daughter, who is now 14, and how she is. <laughs> because, like, there's the things I would, like, she, I have always been of the, like, the mind frame of, like, I'm going to share all kinds of crap about my, like, I'm, I'm, I'm age appropriate, right? But, like, I, I don't really hide things from my kid about the things that I've done and whatever. Like I'm very open. And the reason my philosophy, my philosophy behind this is because so my sister and I have different moms and her mom and my mom 
we're best friends. Um, it does not sound as bad. She's my stepsister. Anyway, it does not sound as bad as it, it kind of is as bad as it sounds. Not the point. The point is they like did wild shit together, right? In their, in their like early twenties and, and stuff. So my sister's mom told her all the shit she like did and, you know, whatever. And, you know, was very open about that stuff. And my mother pretended that she was a saint <laughs> because she didn't want to like influence me. And but like, it was all well-meaning. It, it was not uh-huh. like, it was well-meaning. She, she was really trying to like instill good values in me, but it had the absolute opposite, re- <laughs> you know, reaction. But like between me and my sister, it's so funny because my sister like has never smoked a cigarette. She didn't try alcohol until she was like 18. And it was like she like even to this day, she doesn't drink. She's 30. Like she barely drinks. She's never been a big partier. She never got in trouble. Like the most she got in trouble was for having sex with her boyfriend in his truck on like the side of the road by the high school. But, like, not even that's bad because she's married to him. They have a child. They've been together for, like, 15 fucking years. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like even that is still wholesome somehow. Like. <laughs> and me, I was a fucking terror. Like. like I, a menace, if you will. I, yes, I was, a, I was a menace. I was the, the vice president of our, our like drug safety thing in, in middle school. And I was high all of the time. I brought alcohol to school all of the time. I was drunk all of the time. <laughs> I was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> so like, that's where I got my philosophy. So I've always been really open with Brit. And my kid is the squarest of the squares. <laughs> And I could not be happier. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Oh, anyway. You're as square as Buddy Holly's glasses, girl. Dude, for real. It's adorable. I love it. Like, no one needs to learn the lessons I had to learn. I'll just tell you. You can learn from me. Oh, how was your week, Robin? Tired, as I'm yawning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My kids start soccer this week. Fun times. Uh-huh. My daughter had a really good practice. William starts his first ever soccer season on Tuesday. Ooh. And we got him, like, the little shoes and the little shin guards and stuff. And mm. he's just so proud of himself. He's going to have a really good time. Very nice. Except it starts at five. At five? Jesus Christ. At five. I'm in, I get off work at five in Clackamas. I'm going to just have to jet out early for the next two months. I guess. Bye. It's that work-life balance. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) As you razor scooter away. I gave you 50 hours last week. Bye. <laughs> exactly. I'm salary bitches. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, my God. And then I just, I've had to be an adult a lot this week. Ew. And I am not, like. Not into it. I was it. talking to uh, another parent today. Ew. And, um. 
they're very nice. It, I, I felt I got out of the house. It was it was good. I wanted to. I stayed. Okay. And I can't remember what we were talking about, but it was something where I needed to be assertive, basically. Ooh. Okay. And I was like, I I it, I can't. Like I'm having trouble because I'm trying to book appointment with my hairstylist and mm-hmm. our schedules are not. And I overbooked and stuff, and I'm having anxiety texting her back about it when she's been my hairstylist for like six years. Right. She knows that I'm not. She's not reading my text messages incorrectly. She knows my inflection, right? Right. But I'm still having a thing with it. She's like, how old are you? And I was like, 34. She's like, oh, phew. I was the same way. She was like, you'll grow out of it. Every year, just get a little bit more like assertive and like a little less. And I'm like, I hope so, because I've had to plan stuff and logisticize and try to make appointments and like mm-hmm. talk to people that aren't in my work schedule in my my sphere and i am just emotionally <laughs> drained out of it i, I don't want feel to you. i yep. get that i get that i hate talking on the phone mhm it is the very worst to me like I just well, and it's like I I don't want to sit around and have a fake conversation like like it's not yeah. the lady at soccer this is a different person yeah it's like I don't want to have a fake yeah like this is taxing please yeah. stop yeah yes I do that's how I feel about social media a lot of the time it's like not I mean obviously I'm not on social media now um really very often like like I don't do anything on there I don't check it very often because I'm a horrible person at it because it gives me anxiety but it's it does it feels like you know every every time you post it's an invitation to have conversations with people which just terrifies me (laughs) like because what if it's bad like (laughs) you, you know what I mean like that's always like the worst case is where my brain goes. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like, it's exhausting mm-hmm. just, like, prepping for something that you know is going to be terrible, and then it's not terrible, but then you still replay it as if it were and convince yourself over time that you, like, completely did something horrible that you didn't, like, it wasn't like that at all. But. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what is that? What is that meme? Emotional, emotional damage. damage. Yes, <laughs> yes. That's what this is. Emotional damage. Yep. <clears throat> All right. Well, what do you? What do you? What do you guys? It's just you, Robin. <laughs> yep. It's just your beautiful face. My opinion face. is the only one that matters. Robin, what do you say we kick things off with your recap? Um. I say two things. Number one, we have a review that we would like to read, but Amanda has to read it. Otherwise, yes. it's not a review. Yes. So we're saving that for next week when she's back. And um, number two, I don't know if you want to kick it off with the introduction or we're just going to pretend like she's here to say. Oh, previously. oh yes. Previously on Downworld or Dish. Sorry, that'll never be as good as Amanda. It's not. I don't it's have not, her velvet. Okay. I don't have her velvet voice. <laughs> the the radio voice. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Shit straight pops off at the Lightwood Estate in a sea of black cargo <laughs> pants, as the hunters of shadows arrive, ready to rumble. 
cool. You know what's going to be om- ominous? I wrote a word that I can't pronounce, which was dumb. Ominous. Ominous. <laughs> <laughs> Omnipotent. Because, you guys, the Blackthorn carriage is parked unattended. And in my head, I was embellishing. And I was like, it was like a skew and the door was open. And I don't know if any of that actually happened. But it happened in my mind. So there's that. Paint and then I imagined picture, how baby. funny it would be if there was like parking spaces. It was like crooked <laughs> in the parking space even. And then I imagine it looking like Cinderella's carriage. Like the like circular uh-huh. pumpkin shape. And it, things got wild. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Not long after we meet Tatiana Lightwood for the first time. Who is recounting basically what had happened to them when they got there. Her husband was attacked. And Tatiana is just how you'd imagine her to be. And we're going to put it past us because not long later, we find her husband torn to pieces, literally. And Tessa (laughs) ends up escorting her to the carriage while the sibling sets and Jim are left to battle Benny the worm. Tessa saved from her conversation. Fucking lucky. (laughs) With Tatiana. But go to check on Henry in the house who is fighting a guardian demon. Once dispatched, the pair find a spooky note written in blood. That's like giant on the wall. Giant spooky note. It's not like a post-it. Oh, God. It's like a pinprick. Okay. Just like he, he dipped it in his quill in blood in it. No, no, no. He like used a stump. No, he did needlework, like made an embroidery. It's oh, like God. a hoop and everything. <laughs> Oh, but you should totally make one with the thing. Oh, okay. I can do that. Yep. In the gardens, the creature is brought to an end by Cecily, who is basically an all-over Banff, and gains the eye of fucking Gabriel. (laughs) Their celebration is cut short when Jim doubles over in pain. Oh, no. Oh, no. Poor Jimmy Poo. Well, let me tell you. Reality smacks Tessa's daydreams into the next century when Gabriel finds her and relays Jem's condition. <laughs> Things were going too well. We had to be reminded of the impending doom, right? Like, this Obviously. is a downer book, okay? From page one, we let you know we set the tone. <laughs> The angst in this book is off the charts. When Tessa gets to Jim and he opens his eyes, he says something to her in Mandarin. And she's been learning, but she doesn't understand everything he said, right? Lucky for us, Cassie is a sadist and gives us the unique opportunity to experience Will translate the message from his best friend to the woman they both love. Quote, are you hurt, my love? I need a fucking drink. What the hell? Dude, I was confused trying to read it and figure out who was saying what. I had a who was on first moment. In my so it <laughs> was Spider-Man. As... I just dropped my phone. I'm so sorry. Oh, it's okay. I'm going to like knock something over. Sorry if you hear a loud bang. No, it's fine. Oh. I don't, it didn't have the same punch that it should have. Mm. And it was totally my, my comprehension was not there. <laughs> And it's also like, does Will know Mandarin then? I guess. And if he I does, mean, yeah. why don't they speak it together all the time? That would be awesome. It's, right? It's like having, like, 
it, it's like having like twin language, right? Like, cause nobody else around them knows how to speak it. You know how many times when Amanda and I go out to eat, which is often mm-hmm. because we have, we work together in the field on Tuesdays and I want to say something that I don't want anybody to hear. And I'm like, lean over to say something to her in Spanish and she doesn't know. Yeah. Well, that's why, I mean, that's why my mom is my favorite person to go to lunch with. So I feel like the best people watching and shit talking happens at lunch, right? Because you get the, the, the most random assortment of people at lunch. But uh-huh. my mom and I sign. And that's mm-hmm. always been like, and I see, I do this to my family too. Like I do this to my husband and my daughter who do not sign as well as I do. But I'll sign to them when I don't want to talk. And they're like, what? I'm like, fucking be cool, bitch. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know that you're comfortable with me because um, Kristen and I, were we hung out on Saturday where we ate that lovely pavlova and yes. took pictures. Um, and you were talking to me and I could see that you were signing to me while you were talking. Oh, yeah. That happens a lot. <laughs> uh-huh. And I just because I feel loved. Like, you that's how loved. I know. You are Yeah, loved. that I'm loved. <laughs> And then I'm just freaking jealous because all I do is knock shit over when I move my hands around. Oh, I do that, too. My husband just has become my keeper. So, like, when we're – I remember we were at at dinner with friends or whatever, and there was wine on the table, and I was talking, and my homie, and he's just, like, and just, like, grabs my wine and puts it out of reach. He's like, you're not allowed to have that near your elbow. (laughs) That's what I do to my kid. Yep. I'm a child. I need a keeper. <laughs> oh, so back to Tessa. She clamps her shit down and goes into survival mode, demanding to know where his medicine was and if he had taken any before he left the Institute. And Jem is posted up against the carriage like, yeah, I'm not a corpse yet. Please do <laughs> not speak about me as if I am not here. Thank you. <laughs> like still fucking warm, bitches. Like, <laughs> like, but who who would be in charge of like? It's weird that she because I feel like she's asking Will, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it's just a, a mechanism where she's trying to like, yeah, put her stuff into place. But like, he's not. He was feeling so well. I'm air quoting. Right, can't see me, but I am for the last month because right. their love. Right made him not sick that I'm assuming he's the only one that's in charge of his shit. So ask him. Yeah. Yeah. So again, Jim reiterates how he believes Tessa gives him strength. Quote, I am stronger when Tessa is here. You see, I told you. No, it's, it's a good point. It's just, he's reiterating this terribly painful and hurtful um, rhetoric, honestly, like, thank you, Cassie, uh-huh. for stabbing my heart repeatedly over and over and over again, because we know that this is doomed. I just, to me, I'm just like, he's so smart. Like, he has to know that's not a thing. But traveling back in time to where we don't know much about medicine, mm-hmm. and especially not what he's grappling with. You know, right. I mean, not textbook cases of, you know, back in this day, they still prescribed, you know, fresh air and shit and like going to the country, uh-huh. <laughs> like, um, you know, so. Yep. I'm just like, ugh. 
Well, and then obviously he doesn't know the way Tessa feels. And I'm sure that feels, she feels very guilty every time that she hears that also. I'm uh-huh. sure. Yeah, for sure. And it's just cringy. It's tearing It's her cringy because it's sad and yeah. everything else. Well, and he's so idealistic about her. And he, he doesn't have like a negative bone in his body, which makes it more tragic. Uh-huh. It, it's just like this guy is so not cynical. And all he needs is fucking an ounce of cynicism to be able to like get himself out of this like horrible situation where he's just careening towards heartbreak. Like this uh-huh. doesn't end well in any sense, right? Like no yeah. matter what way you slice it, someone's being destroyed. And I mean, come on. Right. So. Yep. Um, so the way I read it, the omission from Jem was too much for Will. Like, he heard Jem say that again, and he was like, okay, I've hit my breaking point. And so we see Will detach, like, just actually just be like, done here, and, like, leave his body. Uh-huh. <laughs> Go into autopilot. They need to get Jem back to the Institute so he can take his medicine as soon as possible. And so Will is going to drive the carriage with Jem and Tessa, and um, Henry can take the Lightwoods, you know, back. In the other carriage. Okay, I'm sorry that I keep interrupting yeah, you. Yeah, no, you're fine. But I want to know, or think, or question, do you, th- so like if it was me, mm-hmm. if like I was Will and you were Jim, or vice versa. Uh-huh. Hi, Mommy. I'm not see you. I don't know where my potato pee. It's right there. Go get it. What? I'm dropping you will you, never William, I am very busy and I need you to grab your stuff and, and go. Okay, thank you. Close the door, please. Oh, ask your dad. Close the door, please. Close the door. Okay. Love you. Bye. Okay. Yeah, you won't come in again. Okay. <laughs> and another thing. <laughs> to be fair, you are in his bedroom. I am in his bedroom, <laughs> and his stuff is in here. Yeah. That is fair. I heard him running down the hall saying mama, and I was like, it sounds like Bohemian Rhapsody. He's like, mama. <laughs> I was like, he's going to find me. I should leave that in that's real talk baby <laughs> <sighs> what were you saying okay, okay so if, if if you were jim mm-hmm. or i was jim or one of the two of us in this mix okay mm-hmm. i maybe i am maybe it's the mother in me maybe it's the diaper bag in me uh-huh maybe it's the prepper in me yes i feel like i would keep some yenfen in a tin yeah. In my pocket yeah. so I could give it to you had this arrived. Yeah. I would wear it in a vial around my neck so it would be on think... me accessible at all times if you needed it. Yeah. So do you think they normally do that and they left so quickly Will didn't bring it or they're dudes and they don't think about shit like that? I think they're dudes and they don't think about shit like that. <laughs> well, and it's not like so Will like gets it for him. So it's not like he doesn't have access. 
when he's giving it to him, he could just put some of it away. Right. Like you would think you would have a stash. Just uh, yeah, just and in then case you would just emergency. carry it with you. Or uh-huh. or at the very least, I don't know, a fucking first aid kit. Like y- y'all don't have a med kit in the carriage, yeah. I mean, I guess they use runes for everything, but like you have got to know by now that runes don't solve all your problems. Mhm. Like <laughs> You've been yeah. doing this for keep, a thousand years. <laughs> keep keep relying on runes. You're going to ruin your chances of survival all the time. No, but I, I all, all jokes aside, I, I do think that that is more of like a girlfriend's thing to be like, okay, what are we going to need on this night out? Like, uh-huh. I'm, I've got, I've got Tylenol, Midol, <laughs> Advil and Aleve. I've got, you know, your emergency, your fucking Alka-Seltzer. <laughs> like, I just feel like you're right. That is like like a planner thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And these boys feel a little, a little fast and loose with the rules. Mm-hmm. Maybe they wouldn't think of that. Agreed. Um. <clears throat> So Will doesn't really wait for a consensus. He just tells them that that's what they're going to do. And since there aren't any adults around guiding them through this very dangerous occupation, they just go with it. They're like, okay, I guess that sounds right. Ready, break. And then and then he just goes and tells Henry what they're doing. And Henry's like, oh, okay, sounds good. Like, what? On the ride back to the Institute, Tessa and Jem catch up. She tells him about the message in Benedict's study, and they come to the same conclusion that we did, um, that the infernal devices are referencing, like, that that are referenced are the automatons. Uh-huh. And also in Benedict's office, they found ledgers and papers with Tessa's name on them. And she's like, shucks, I really thought Mort Bean lost interest. Like, what? <laughs> It's been quiet for two months. I thought he just, you know, moved on to another empire to conquer. I don't know. <laughs> he found another one. Yeah. Um. Uh, so. What? Oh, you're yawning. <laughs> yawning. I thought you were. Sorry. But even as she's telling Jem about what they found, she's tiptoeing around it, trying to, like, protect him. And this is a well-established, a well-established pet peeve of Jem's, and so he immediately calls her out on it. And he says some romantic shit that would make your heart melt into a useless puddle. Um, and Tessa starts to freak the fuck out. And she's spinning on what he said, quote, the truth, all the truth, whether it is bitter or frightening. And she just blurts out, I love you. And I can't tell if she thinks that's going to fix everything or Uh if the impulse was out of like guilt or maybe she's trying to convince herself. I'm not sure, but her reaction does feel very on brand for like a 16, 17 year old girl, like to just be like. This is the only thing I can think of. This is what's coming out of my mouth. Like, uh-huh. I definitely, in my head, I thought guilt when I was reading mm-hmm. it. I was like, oof. Yeah. Yeah. But that. your girlfriend, woof. Yeah, woof. <laughs> so Jem lifts the mood with more romantic murmurings, and their banter helps soothe Tessa, Tessa's nerves. Um, She's got very... She's got a very telling line that I wanted to read. Quote, 
There will be another time, she said, another day, another dress, a time when you are well and everything is perfect. His voice was still gentle, but it held a terrible weariness. This is no, oh, this is what? King Henry I was. <laughs> there is no such thing as perfect, Tessa. Fucking chills, dude. I'm like, that's, you don't say things like that. Okay, because people who say things like that die terribly tragic deaths. Right? Quit going in. You're you're boxing yourself into a trope here, sir. <laughs> sir, I'm going to need you to yourself, stop. Damn it. The, the author has no other choice but to kill you when you act like this. I mean, if you're basically wearing a murder me sign <laughs> on the back of your back, okay? You you got to stop. I, I I need you to stop. Yeah. Yeah. You're like the virgin in a horror movie. Okay? Stop. Right. So enough with the heavy. Let's skip back over to the Institute to Sophie's point of view. Our girl is having a delightful evening. Since she's a maid, Sophie's not in the group chat. So she's stuck in the dark (laughs) waiting for everyone to come back. So... Luckily, she has Bridget there singing about maids falling in love with gentlemen out of their social class to keep her mind off of things. Dude. Since she's staring. uh... Oh, that's because I talked to text this. Uh Uh-huh. Since she's staring forlorn. For lonely out the window, she catches Will pulling the carriage through the gates and sees Jem exiting, looking worse for the wear. And even though she didn't have a JTT circa 1996 level crush on Jem anymore, he still ca- she still cared about him. So she ditched Bridget's crooning um, and went down to help however she could. You like that JTT circa 1996? I do, and I just want to know what kind of old lady knitting circle mind meld do we have going on here that I also use the word crooning in mind? What <laughs> the heck? Dude, we have been in our in each other's lives more, like, two-thirds of our lives more than that because we're fucking old. Dude. We are the same person. We have officially achieved mind meld. <laughs> Clearly. Oh. Oh. Okay, I just wanted you were a you were a JTT, not a Brad, right? A hundred percent. Okay, I just had to double 100%. check. Hundred percent. A hundred. A hundred. Wait, which of the Lawrence brothers was your guy? I. Feel like um, the only one I really know is Joey, so it has to be that one. I was always a Matthew gal. Okay. Although Joey and brotherly love. Matthew once they started getting older, but. Okay. Yeah. Hanson. Taylor, all the I was way, not a baby. Kid. I know. I was so into Hanson. I know you were listening to cool music when I was still listening to Hanson and Spice Girls. It's fair. Mm-hmm. It's fair. Uh, so she immediately finds Tessa distraught and standing in the corridor outside Jem's room. 
And Sophie's been doing this a long time. She's a professional. All right. <laughs> she manages to comfort Tessa and deftly guide her back to her room to get cleaned up. Um, quote, I'm, or I'm going to read this part from the book, obviously. Fucking obviously. Otherwise, I wouldn't say quote, Robin. Duh. <laughs> you should know that. Hello. <laughs> so, quote, dear sensible Sophie, of course you're right. She began to move across the corridor toward her room. At the door, she paused and turned to look at Sophie. Her wide gray eyes searched uh, search the other girl's face, and she seemed to nod to herself as if, as if she had been proved right in a guess. Quote, why did I keep saying quote? <laughs> <laughs> it's still the same quote. insert dialogue here (laughs) yes fuck he is all right you know not hurt at all master gem tessa shook her head gideon lightwood (laughs) sophie blushed okay (laughs) hold on you know what i'm leaving all that in but but we're gonna do this right you're gonna be sophie and i'm gonna be tessa okay just this little bit just this once to see how it feels yes he is all right you know not hurt at all master gem tessa shook her head gideon lightwood and then sophie blushed. <laughs> that was her okay i like in this scene that it seems like she's just um do you know on aladdin when jafar like i know all of aladdin yes but tell me which okay. specific part. <laughs> He's like, God, I'm going to think. Why can't I think of the word? He's like, you are getting sleep. Hypnotizing. What's that? Yeah. Hypnotizing. He wanted to say mind controlling <laughs> the sultan. Yes. You're going to go play with your toys with the snake thing. Uh-huh. I feel like that's what's happening to Tessa right now. She's like, yes, I do need to get changed. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I should get out of this stress. Yep. Okay, so I'm also laughing because my talk to text fucked up this quote when it was putting it in my script. This is Gideon Lakewood, which almost made me break. (laughs) But also totally like many wrong words. It's like um, a Beverly Hills, like, and oh my God. Do you see that guy over there? Right. It's Gideon Lakewood. Right. His of the Lakewood estate. Yeah. His, yeah. His his younger sister is Tiffany Lakewood, who's like the queen bee bitch that like you want to stay away uh-huh. from. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> he wears like boat shoes without socks and shows too much oh my ankle. God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and he was one of the kids that had multiple collars. Yes. Yes. Multiple On your, like, your polo collars. Shirt. Yes. Yeah. My cousin is one of these guys. Oh, it's so funny. Anyway. Uh, so, but wait, there's more. You know, it's a third book uh, because we've got point of views coming out of the woodwork. So next up is uh, none other than fucking Gabriel. Mm. So he's waiting in the drawing room mostly because he's defaulted into just doing what he's been told. Uh, since what the hell else is he gonna do like he's in shock he's like okay emotional damage yeah I feel like he and Tessa are kind of in the same shell shocked like situation (laughs) same space emotionally (laughs) 
So I think it's telling that Cassie takes this time for Gabriel to take in the room and note the simplicity or possibly like frugality of Charlotte and by proxy the Institute in comparison to the extravagant lifestyle that he'd grown up with. Like this is very like Gatsby-esque feel like Uh the noting of the very stark contrast of like worn wallpaper and like you know a scratched and used up a desk that has like ink stains and things like that you know compared to like Uh basically living in a museum where you know he grew up they had all those statues in the garden and stuff yeah yeah the italian gardens yes Uh uh-huh yeah the re-education of gabriel lightwood has begun folks So, but Gabriel's got a long way to go. He did just commit patricide. So, you know, there's that. Um, Charlotte. Yeah, no big deal. Charlotte sweeps in all business. She makes sure that, like, Gabriel's okay. You know, first and foremost, are you physically okay? Okay, cool, cool. Moving on. Uh, She relays to him that his sister has been dropped off at the Blackthorn Manor um, with her in-laws and very politely asks for an address because she's ordering him an Uber. (laughs) (laughs) At first, Gabriel's confused because he's got a house. More than one, actually. Um but Charlotte reminds him that pretty soon every Lightwood property will be swarmed by the clave agents, I guess. Like, whatever the equivalent of, like, I, I guess FBI or DEA agents are. Like, uh huh. <laughs> the demon enforcement agency of the clave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the DEA. DEA. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's what it really stands for. <laughs> you didn't know. Obviously. Duh. So, um, until the investigation into Benedict's crimes and and collusion with Mortmain is concluded, the Lightwoods don't have shit. (laughs) They should go visit their cousin, the Lakewoods. Yeah, fucking seriously. In Lake Oswego. They go back and forth, um, Charlotte really pressing Gabriel to find out. Like, she's certainly interrogating him. Like, she she wants I, to find out what he sorry. knows. You know yet? Yeah, no, what? I was just a little bit like, as the scene is taking place, mm-hmm. the way that it's kind of, to me, set up, mm-hmm. I was thinking the direction was going to be like, oh... Gabriel's been told all this bad shit about Charlotte, Mm -hmm. but here he gets to see how motherly she is and how Mm -hmm. sweet she is and how this. And I was like, no, she's get it, bitch. Get it. Yeah. Yeah. It was opposite. was not what I was thinking. Well, yeah. She's like, I've tried to be nice to you and that didn't work. So the only thing you respond to is strength. So guess what's going to happen now? So... (laughs) The, the the tail end of this conversation is very like intense. So I'm I'm going I'm going to quote it. Sorry for the quotes. I tried to keep them short. Uh, then why did you go along with them? Her voice was soft but merciless. Because he was my father, Gabriel shouted. He's he's been whoop. He spun. he backed away from Charlotte. Oh, okay. Sorry. 
Gabriel shouted. He backed away from Charlotte, his br- his breath becoming ragged in his throat, only barely aware of what he was doing. He wrapped his arms around himself, hugging his own body tight, as if he could keep himself from coming undone. Fuck. What? Do you really think it said his own body type? <laughs> no! Like, is that what the quote says? Own body tight. But I've got mumble mouth, so when I talk to text, fucking Siri doesn't listen all Because I'm reading it, so I heard you say type. You probably did not, but that's what I heard, (laughs) because I'm reading it. (laughs) He's like, body yada 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 yada. Oh, fuck. (sighs) Poor Gabriel. Like, this is is the part, like, that what, what was just, like broiling under the surface of Gabriel this whole time that we've talked about before. And we finally get to see the break. Like we finally get to see that he really is just a scared boy that was just seeking his father's approval, you know? Uh Uh-huh. Gabriel is well and truly defeated in this moment. The emotional weight of what he had to do and the extended trauma of the weeks leading up to his father's ultimate transformation and death is all culminating in this moment of like rejection from Mm -hmm. Charlotte. And he's like, I have literally no one and nothing. I went from having everything to having nothing, you know? Uh, But Charlotte is really good at playing both good cop and bad cop. It seems like she kind of like started with neutral cop, went bad cop, and then like brought it back home with the good cop. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, she gives him an option to stay at the Institute with one request that he doesn't portray her. Seems fair. Uh, seems really fucking fair. Uh-huh. We'll see what happens with that. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. Now it's Tessa, guys. Mm-hmm. We're in Tessa's brain. And she is retreated to the library to allow herself to slip away in her world of literature. And at first, I was kind of annoyed by this, being in the chapter. It's like, why are you sitting there reading when Jim is hurt? But I suppose, like, she's not allowed to go in his room. So, like, what else is she supposed to do? Like, she can't watch TV. I don't know. She can't watch Um, TV. Right. But then I thought, like... Everyone is always, the secondary characters in this book are always commenting on how she's always reading. Her nose Mm -hmm. is always in a book, and we never get to see it. So I guess, like, here it is. Yeah. Let's just keep reiterating that Tessa likes books. It's her entire personality. Right. So, anyway, as you've said, it's the last of the trilogy, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, of course, we have to have some love triangle trauma. Absolutely. So, enter stage left, a wet-haired William Heron. Why does his hair have to be wet? And so also, he can rub his hands through. And also, secondary question, follow-up, why is wet hair hot? I don't I know don't the answer, know. but it's true. It is. When I read it, I figured it made it seem like he was out in the rain and, like, being, like... Oh, see, in my head, he, like, he's in his, like, shirt cuffs, and his, like, suspenders uh-huh. are down, and he's just, like, splashed his face with water in, in like, the the basin in his room. Like, like that's my... Uh-huh. As I kept reading, it seems like he's had a shower, is why his hair is wet. Gotcha. But at first, I just, that's what my brain yeah. imagined. 
Like, can't you and see so, him walking? I, I can just, I'm sorry. I'm just picturing Will walking in the room, like taking off his jacket, pulling down his suspenders, kind of like un, un, you know, unbuttoning the top few buttons, walking over, pouring some water in the basin, kind of dunking his head in, shaking up that Keanu hair, you know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right. Keanu, look how you had to I say just, it like that. I had to paint a word picture for y'all. That's all. Uh-huh. All right, moving on. And that's how the chapter ends. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, you guys. Um, sorry. I lost my space, but I found it. So Will walks in and he sees Tessa and he feigns like he's gonna leave and he's like I don't want to interrupt you when like I hear the that. meeting even though that's that. like your entire personality but like whatever and um she's very quick to tell him that she's not really reading because the preoccupation that she has for Jim is making it so she can't focus and I'm like welcome to my world okay mm-hmm. she's doing that thing where you keep rereading and then you don't remember what you read yep. And Will says he feels the same, and the pair of them discuss how Jim is basically in the same state, and the Silent Brothers still have his room locked. Nobody's allowed to go in there. He can't have visitors. And so Tessa tells Will about the warning slash poetry that Benedict had painted on the wall of his study. And, like, he must have done it as he was slipping into madness. And Tessa has compacted and complicated the situation entirely blaming herself and saying that she's like putting everyone in danger staying at the institute because basically as you remember the infernal devices are coming they're not going to stop gloom and doom and she's like as you said like henry found my name on these papers like they want me this is all my fault i should just peace out i'm glad she's finally figured it out They're like, yep, bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Obviously, I'm kidding. (laughs) Right. JK rolling. Ew. And Will reassures her that the Shadowhunters are keeping her institute. Sorry. By the Shadowhunters keeping her in the institute, it is what's best for Tessa, but it's also what's best for Shadowhunters as a whole. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Morty wants Tessa, and they don't want him to have what he happened, like what he wants. They don't want that yeah. to happen. And like, basically, he's saying Shadow Hunters as a whole were not like selfless people. Like, there's a motive, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. This this was hard to write because I'm just kind of like I'm exhausted. Okay, mm-hmm. I was emotionally exhausted this week, as you know. So mm-hmm. this is emotional, and I was exhausted. And so Tessa begs to differ, and she decides that she's going to inflate Will's ego. Because right? that's what like, we need. Yeah. Well, well, a Herondale with is, a bigger fucking ego. Clearly, this is what this is missing. Yes. And so she basically says, like, nah, you guys are, like, real heroes from ancient times. And you're totally like the real life's Avengers, like Tom Holland, who is, like, the best Spider-Man. He is the best okay? Spider-Man. You can physically fight me if you disagree. Yeah. It's fine. Come at me, bro. I'm short, but I'm scrappy. Okay. (laughs) And um, Will points out, like, so she's, okay, she didn't compare him to Tom Holland or the Avengers, okay? She compared him to Achilles or Jason. Yeah, yeah. Fucking nerd. And 
I know. And but Will's like the dudes that you're comparing to me like died like tr- or had like tragic endings and like died horribly. Like which to be fair is on brand. Yeah. For his gloom and doom lifestyle, it is on brand. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm know. sorry, William. Who did I pick up from an opium den fucking six weeks ago? That's right. Okay? Like, you have no room to talk, buddy. Stop. Yeah. <sighs> and as this is trans, so this is dialogue heavy, but we're also getting some of Tess's internal dialogue. Mm-hmm. And so um, she thinks about how this is the first time that they've been together on purpose. Because they, like, bumped into each other Mm -hmm. or, like, pleasantries or whatever. But they haven't been alone on purpose Mm -hmm. in months. And, like, she's totally misses the non-douchebag Will package. Yeah. Well, because they can nerd out together and she can, like, quote something and he knows what from what fucking book it's from. Uh Uh-huh. It's gross. (laughs) I, I really want to try that. Like, the next time we... Um, do like a fun episode or whatever um the three of us I want us to like there's this thing where you can like pick a random page and line or whatever and and you read it and the people like have to guess the other people have to guess which book it's from anyway I want to try it and see if we can do it because Uh of the whole you know Tessa and Will thing maybe 90s 80s Ots movies. Uh-huh. I could maybe do that from. I don't know right. about books, but we could try. <laughs> we could try with Shadowhunter books. It's probably our best chance. It's um, are you as pretentious as a Shadowhunter? Yes. <laughs> as pretentious as a Tessa. Yeah. Could I you hang it. with Will and Tessa? Yeah. <laughs> so she decides that she's gonna just kind of let open. The emotional a little bit. And so she tells them that the same, she tells Will that the same song keeps playing in her head. <laughs> and it is to the tune of the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And it's when I find myself in times of trouble, Will Herondale comes to me speaking words of wisdom, book fantasy. <laughs> I Not love it. Let it be. I couldn't I couldn't do it. That was too many words to sing. <laughs> Basically, Will said at one time that when he doesn't know what to do, he pretends that he's the main character in a book and he decides that he's gonna do what that character would do. Mm-hmm. It's called disassociation. Right. <laughs> Which is fine. <laughs> I mean if you if you need if you need to do it to get through a situation, you need to do it. That's fine. It's fine. And Will's like, yeah, I did say that, but, like, I'm not a role model, especially if you're trying to find happiness. And I feel like that could be a motto for me. Okay? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. 100%. You don't want any of this crazy. No. I'm not a role model, guys. You, you do not want whatever is in this jelly. <laughs> no, you don't. It turned sour a month ago. It's, it's just anxiety and panic. Uh-huh. Good stuff. So Tessa's rebuttal to this is that she says she doesn't want happiness. She just wants to, like, help and do good and, like, be useful. And you'd think for a moment she's talking about 
maybe the good of mankind maybe helping the shadow hunters but no no of what course she really not. means is she wants to cast a line out there to will that she's still interested if you know things go south with her like hemmed up fiance <laughs> fuck so to bait him even more she starts talking in dickens telling him how she wants to help and not be idle or like what have yous and um she's like quoting the sydney carton stuff that they do from that book right mm-hmm. the tale of two cities yeah. right and um he's not really reading her undertones so he's like are you um fearful for jim like are, is this about like jim and she's like yeah and you too yeah, she's like, no, the whole fucking plot of the book about how she's married to the wrong guy and the other guy loves uh-huh. her. Like, hello. Uh-huh. She's totally putting it out there. And it's very, like, anyway, yeah. before things can get to the Scarlet Letter, Charlotte walks in. Okay? Damn. Speaking of books. Fucking, fucking uh, junior or sophomore year fucking AP English. Mm -hmm. And I want you guys to know, I did say a disclaimer. I know that I'm being extra salty here. Okay. Mm -hmm. I know that. That's okay. I know that maybe if I had a better week, my cloud, my head wouldn't be clouded in this type of judgment. It's just the week I've had. This is me as a person. This is just what's happening this week. Okay. So I'm very sorry if I'm putting you in a bad mood. You're not, you're putting me in a great mood because I love Jim. Mm, okay okay yeah just saying and i'm heartbroken so so i'm i'm feeling vengeance that's fair Mm -hmm. so charlotte tells them that jim is awake and is now accepting visitors and um the silent brothers were able to stop the internal bleeding which is like like in the the text it says like his like the uh, will's eyes go like Mm -hmm. internal bleeding like what? what? Uh-huh. And now that he's well enough to have a visitor, he wants to see someone and he's specifically asking for this person. And it felt very much like a game show. Yeah. <laughs> and the person is well. Yep. So Tess is a bit jelly that her name wasn't called, but she knows about the sacred parable bond. Mm-hmm. And before Will goes to leave, he asks Tessa, like, I require your assistance. And he says it like far. Do you require assistance? Anyway, it's not. Um, the schnozberries anyway, taste like schnozberries. Sorry, can't yeah. help myself. He doesn't say exactly what he wants. The chapter just fades to black mm. because this is the chapter of many POV, POV characters. Mm-hmm. I was going to say Pov. I was going to read it. <laughs> and not to disappoint, we're suddenly Cecily. Oh, I love um, it. I want you to know. But I'm seeing talking that to the tune of Suddenly Seymour from the 1986 version of Little Shop of Horrors, crooned by one sultry Rick Moranis. Okay, there are two kinds of people in this world, okay? <laughs> because when when I read Suddenly Cecily, I thought of Suddenly Susan, which is a Brooke Shields show that was on in the <laughs> early 90s. 
<laughs> you said, oh, like you got it. You're like, and I was like, oh, okay. We're yeah. the same. Nope. No. Nope. <laughs> the old lady part of this sentence was the same. Yeah. Yeah. Crooned was the same. Yes. Oh, good stuff. Okay. Oh. So Cecily's pinning a letter to her parents and she has since like crossed out the words and before the time of writing an email that you would never intend to send and being able to delete all evidence and for the term Christmas coined so well as plot, plot <laughs> we're able to read it and find out that she half Weasleyed. Okay. Which means she left in the darkness, but at least she left a note. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was only a half Weasley. Right. Okay? I'm going to say okay one more time. So just make it around <laughs> three. No. Beds empty. No, no. No, no. Cog. 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 <laughs> Molly Weasley is my hero. I know. So Cecily feels guilty for leaving and how she internally describes it as being disobedient. And she agrees with her dad's description of like hunting shadows feels like a fever dream. Mm -hmm. And she's tried to light this letter many times, but is always completely unsuccessful. And she's kind of reeling after her first real battle. (laughs) And she, huh? Yeah, no shit. Uh huh. That was intense. And she got lost in the shuffle, mm. which I think she understands, but she's feeling homesick. Yeah. Like, you know, so she decided to try to light a letter, but write a letter. <laughs> it was hard for me to say. <laughs> Although she does also agree with herself that it's horrible timing. Like, this is the absolute worst time to be doing it. But you know what yeah. I could really use right now? Some frustration. Right. That's what would just really brighten my day. So let's, let's do it. <laughs> and there's a knock at the door. And she grabbed a fake book as a prop, which I think is really funny. Yep. And um, she calls to come in, like, come in or whatever. And ding dong, it's Tessa. Mm-hmm. And Cecily notes how her and Tessa were, like, nice to each other, but not really, like, what she would consider as friends. Because mm-hmm. Tessa always seemed what she calls weary. And she's always a little unnerved about her being able to, like, change her face all the time. She's not into that. Right. She said that there was, she described it as like something fey about her. Ah. Right. So she starts the conversation with a Miss Gray. And Tessa tells her, it's only Miss Gray if you're nasty. So just call me by my name. It's cool. Uh, Call me by your name? Yeah. (laughs) And she says that she's just checking to see if she needs anything. And then she gets, like, really excited because she sees that Cecily is reading Great Expectations. (laughs) She's like, ooh. And Cecily, her internal thoughts are like, yeah, I saw Will reading it. So I thought that maybe if I read it too, then I could, like, figure out more about my bro jam. But she's basically just as lost as we are. She's not into it. And Tessa flexes by quoting from the book. And Cecily is unimpressed, asking her, quote, So you memorize passages of books just like Will, or is that his favorite? Mm. Whoa. Ooh, I see you, bitch. Cecily Harrendale did not come to play. She is there and she has x-ray vision, motherfucker. It's that emoji, like emoji, whatever, where it's just the eyes looking in. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> For real. Dude. 
And Tessa is flustered. She's like, I don't know Will's brain or like have his like memory rune, but like I'm totally into books. Like this was my thing, not his. Right. It's not he what she stole said, my thing. Just like he stole my uh-huh. thing. She changes the subject by asking why she's still in gear. And I think the answer is obvious because it's more comfortable. Okay? That's why she's still in gear. Because no one wants to fucking take off bloody and ruined gear and then put on a fucking corset. Nobody wants to do that. No. So Cecily tells her that she was thinking about going back to the training room since that's where she can think. She Mm. can hear and deal there. And Tessa's like, training? You just battled. And she knows from experience that sometimes the runes take longer to fully heal and, like, it needs a second application or whatever. And she could really, like, hurt herself, um, like, permanently. So, like, if she, like, should she just call someone to check on her? Like, I don't know, like, Charlotte? Mm-hmm. And Tessa's like, yeah, or will. <laughs> right. And then she says, obviously, she says, okay, I was going to make it sound like she quoted this. This was, this is not a quote, okay? But she's like, obviously, no one gives a shit because, like, no one's come to check on me already. Like, mm-hmm. whatever. And I'm leaving this in here. I wrote this as I was typing it. And I put, okay, so I was wrong, but I'm going to leave it in. Like, because I said, like, I think mm-hmm. she understands mm-hmm. is what I said at the beginning. And I still don't know if I truly believe that she believes what she's saying now, but I can see how she could feel that way. Like, yeah, I, I feel like they're, the the two sides of her brain are battling each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel like she wants to be seen as very mature. She wants to do those things. But at the same time, I could see Will in her brain hasn't treated her well. Mm-hmm. Like, telling her to go home and do all this other yeah. stuff. And then she's like, I totally just freaking saved the day, literally. Yeah. And then, like, I'm just, like, tossed to the side because I'm not part of the, you know. The crew. To mm-hmm. run crew. crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. They have my editor to the group chat and she's salty yeah, about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. She's on red. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Her, her friend request is still pending. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're disgusting i can't believe that we are a form of life on this planet i know um i don't it's sorry that the awkward silence i don't know what i was trying to say but basically cecily's upset that will's not there and tessa's like no 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 it's cool will sent me here to check on you he's with jem And I think all the emotions are spilling out of her in the last few months because her internal dialogue suggests that she knows about the parabotide bond, mm-hmm. which Tessa kind of says to her, like, mm-hmm. so it, like before Tessa can say something about parabotide, Cecily's already thinking parabotide. So, which is why I'm saying, like, I feel like there's the two sides of her brain are battling with each other. Right. I think rationally she gets it, but emotionally she doesn't want to, which I've totally been there. Well, and she's 15. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm not like I'm about that life sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes emotions over brain just wins. Yep. And you just gotta deal with it and it's fine. So Cecily tells Tessa that Will should be there. Mm-hmm. Like, bond or no bond. Because he hasn't even gone to check to see if like she needs anything. And honestly, he like personally he wandered into the library to go try to find tessa Mm -hmm. so she's not entirely wrong yeah i'm just saying yeah 
he had time to go, quote, like, look through, like, the only reason you're in the library is because you wanted to find Tessa. Yeah. A hundred percent. Absolutely. So, like, you had time to do that, but you didn't have time to check on Cecily? Rude. Yeah. And Tessa, like, reminds her, and I guess us too, because I was a little unhinged of, like, the curse. And mm-hmm. even though it was fake, it was real to Will. Right. Um, And he sacrificed all these things in his life um, to make sure that his family was safe. And now Cecily is definitely not safe. So it, like, is possibly a little bit traumatic for him to come look at her injuries and know that, like, she's in danger. And Cecily's like, I chose the Satter Hunter life, like, but not just because I wanted to be next to Will. Like, this is what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And um, Tessa tells her that she knows that Will cares for her. And then tells her about the, like, del- remember when he was, like, in that delirium when he was listening to or taking the cure? <laughs> yes. And um, he was calling out her name. Mm-hmm. And he was having Tessa's a sex like, dream about her. Who's that bitch? Right? And or Tessa thought this... he was. Sorry. He was not yeah, having exactly. a sex dream about his sister. Tessa just thought that's yeah, what he Tessa was doing. He was. <laughs> yeah. This is not City of Bones. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Wrong franchise. Wrong one. This one only has some incest. It's the prequel, not the sequel. <laughs> Shit. So basically, Tessa's like saying in this weird ass backwards way, him not being there is actually him showing how much he loves her because he's oh, used God. to pushing away things that he loved. So, you know, it's it's basically science. That's some... Um... Victorian patriarchal brainwash bullshit. Uh-huh. Yes. Maybe it's hard for him to adjust because of this curse. And yes, the trauma of believing that the curse was real and pushing everyone away is valid. Absolutely. He should still check on his sister before he goes searching to get his dick wet. Okay. Whoa. You said what she said. I said what I said. It's late. I'm getting snappy. No. So I um didn't pull as many random quotes out of the book as Kristen, but I'm gonna read a page and a half to you. Okay. So Tessa pulls on her main character of the story, Bloomers. Mm-hmm. And she says this to Cecily. The habits of years are not unlearned so quickly, Tessa said, and her eyes were sad. Do not make the mistake of believing that he does not love you because he plays at not caring, Cecily. Confront him if you must and demand the truth, but do not make the mistake of turning away because you believe that he is a lost cause. Do not cast him from your heart, for if you do, you will regret it. Like I did. Projection. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That last part was silent. <laughs> she just right. said it with her eyes. <laughs> the R is silent. You don't pronounce it. Yeah. <laughs> and then this, the chapter ends with another note back and forth, but this time it's from Consul Wayland to the members of the council. And I was going to paraphrase and I'm not. I'm going to just read it. Just okay. Because you just have to know. So it says to members of the council from Consul Josiah Wayland. Forgive the delay in my reply, gentlemen. I wish to be sure that I was not giving you my opinions in any spirit of precipitate haste. 
I said that wrong, but I'm going to go with it. But rather that my words were sound and well-reasoned, results of patient thought. I'm afraid I cannot second your recommendation of Charlotte Branwell as my successor. <gasps> Though possessed of a good heart, she is altogether too flighty, emotional, passionate, and disobedient to have the making of a consul. As we know, the fair sex has its weaknesses that men are not heir to, and sadly she is prey to all of them. No, I cannot recommend her. I urge you to consider another, my own nephew, George Penhallow, who will be 25 this November and is a fine shadow hunter and an upstanding young man. I believe he has the moral certainty and strength of character to lead the shadow hunters into a new decade. In Raziel's name, best. Suck my dick. Counsel Josiah Wayland. He doesn't say best. That was me. That was me. Sorry. I just do not like when people, like, I don't I hate know. That. I don't like best on an email, and I have no idea why. Sorry if you use best. I'm not a fan, okay? I'm just like, you dirty lint liquor. <laughs> yes. Who are, who do you think you are? The council or something? Get out of town. Well, and it's like so, it's like obvious nepotism. I know gonna kill him okay anyway you guys tell us um make sure that you've read the next chapter in this book which is not episode 114 it's chapter four (laughs) (laughs) to be wise in love all right sounds and then there's stuff about like checking our instagram out oh right and yeah. You know we'll the see drill. You next time. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Check our Instagram out that we say for more content and then we don't post content except like every couple months. Yeah. But there is a new picture on there. There is. If you want to see the cake Kristen made, do it. It was not a cake. Whatever. Dessert. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. Okay. Bye. Yeah. <laughs>